Hey, YOLO. <laughs> What's with the groans? Oh, gosh. Shut up already. So if you guys did not have the privilege of being here last week for our first Reckless, uh, we introduced our vision series for the year in terms of where we're going as a ministry. And uh, the vision series is called YOLO. Um, and there was weeping and gnashing of teeth last week because of this. So, um, which just makes me all the more inclined to be able to do this. And I'm excited about it because half the room hates it. So, uh, this is awesome. So, we talked a lot about last week. Uh, we talked last week a lot about some misconceptions that we have in terms of what YOLO actually means. And a lot of times, YOLO becomes more a, a cop out to do crazy things like jump out of airplanes, like party it up, like sleep around, like do all of these crazy things, live for yourself. We use YOLO as kind of an excuse to do dumb stuff. And um, what better way to start tonight uh, the message by showing one of our adult leaders that decided to do something stupid this past week. So uh, some of you guys don't have the privilege yet of knowing Jason James. Uh, who is in the room somewhere, and I won't, you'll just have to find him. <laughs> Way to protect him. I wasn't going to call him out. He's in the room somewhere. If you guys don't know Jason, he's one of our new uh, leaders this year. So uh, some of you guys will have him as a small group leader. Um, his, his daughter is in the room too, and I won't embarrass her by making her stand up. But um, uh, Jason is a part, is on, or works for the Hiram Police Department. And... Um, and in working with the Hiram Police Department, you have, he has access to all kinds of weapons, like a taser. And uh, so that's all I'm going to say in leading into this. So watch this video. Okay, now for the record, that is not what we're talking about, okay? So please don't go home this week and tase yourself or do something stupid and send it to me, okay? Um, that's not, Jason was just using that as an example of what we are not talking about. Um, actually, if you want to tase yourself and send it to me, I'll, I'll take that. But that, that's not what we're shooting for, all right? That's not the goal of this, of this series, we, we talked last week about how it can go in one of two ways, and there's a lot of misconceptions. Either it is live for yourself, and it becomes a cop-out to do those kind of things. But what we're actually talking about and what YOLO can be used for is an opportunity for us to embrace the calling to live for something greater than ourselves. And that's really what we're, what we're shooting for. That's the target that we're looking at. Um, now, why we talked... Why we, we named the series YOLO is to kind of cast vision this year on where we want to go as a ministry. That all of us have the opportunity this year to live for this unbelievable calling. Something that is bigger and better than just living for ourselves and settling for some of the things that the world offers us. We have an opportunity to live for something much, much bigger than that. We're in Ephesians chapter 4 for this series. So uh, if you want to open there, if you've got your Bibles tonight, because that's where we're going to be. Last week, we gave you guys the verse 
that is going to be our verse, not only for this series, uh, what the series YOLO is, is kind of themed around, but where we're going for the entire year. All right, this is going to be a verse that we're going to wear out, something we're going to focus on all year long. And it was Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. So I'm going to do something a little bit different, and uh, I want you guys to stand. All rise. And I want us to say this, this together, all right? And I'm looking for passion, okay? So let's say this together. Therefore I. Therefore I. A pri- <laughs> let's just all say it together. Therefore I. A prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. That was amazing. All right, thank you so much. Grab a seat. I could feel the passion in your voice that you said that, and we'll work work up to that. But here's the thing with this, all right? Here's what I want you guys to grasp when I... I don't want you guys to miss this. This verse can radically change your life this year. All right, we're going to be spending the year in Ephesians, but I really want you guys to really focus in on that verse. Memorize it. Write it on something on your bathroom mirror so that you see it all the time. Write it in your notes. Do whatever you got to do, but let's memorize that verse this year and make that something that we embrace and we rally around. And this is so much bigger than just doing what we want to do. All of us in this room have the opportunity to live out the calling that God himself has given to us. And there's nothing greater that the world can offer us that is better than living out this incredible calling that God has given us. So that's what we're going to focus on. Now last week we gave three callings that, um, that we've kind of, kind of embraced, three specific callings that, that we, um, we're called to. We talked first about the calling of salvation. Right, but we got to start there about giving our lives to Christ and understanding our need for forgiveness and salvation and accepting that, that free gift that God offers us through the cross. We talked about the calling of surrender, that it doesn't just stop at salvation, but we give our hearts and our lives and everything to God. And we say, God, my life now belongs to you. And our life no longer is about us. It's about, it belongs to God. It's God's possession, and we live out the, what he is calling us to do. And then the third thing was the calling of hope. And that song we sang tonight is going to be our song for this year about the hope for the world. It's our hope. We live in the hope that, uh, that Jesus is with us and he is in us. And, and not only that, but it, we carry that out into the world, into relationships that we have, into people that we meet, that we now represent Christ as the hope of the world. And so tonight we're going to talk about that next calling that we want to embrace and rally around this year. Now, unfortunately for us, for many of us in the room tonight, I think this is a calling that sometimes we fail to grab a hold of. And there's multiple reasons for that, but I think a lot of us are in a moment now where we have not fully embraced this calling that we're going to talk about tonight. So let's start in verse 7, chapter 4 of Ephesians. Paul says this, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all of the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now I love what these first two verses talk about because it really sets up 
and helps us understand to a new level this calling that God has given us. He says it starts with God. It starts with Jesus. Jesus coming and descending on the earth. And him giving his life away as a ransom for us. Him entering the scene, entering the world, entering into our sin and our mess. And giving his life as a ransom for us. And it didn't just stop at the cross, but then he rose from the dead. And then he ascended back into heaven and he is higher than the heavens. That he is now above all things. That he is the ultimate authority. That everything in the world and in creation has been given over to him. That God is in authority and in command of everything. And how incredible is it that thought that Jesus who is in all things and above all things has given us this calling that we've, been, that we've received. That we didn't make this up. This isn't something that some human came up with. This is something that the creator and Jesus who ascended above all else came and gave to us and has called us to. Now let's continue in verse 11. He says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So Paul then outlines some specific gifts that God gives to us as followers of Jesus. All right? Now, there are other gifts that are mentioned in other passages of the New Testament, but Paul specifically only mentions a couple of, of gifts. He mentions apostles, he mentions prophets, he mentions teachers, pastors. He mentions those things that are high profile, those gifts that are more in front of people, that other people take notice of, that are in front of people, and, and people have the potential to look at and be impressed with. All right? These aren't behind-the-scenes gifts. These aren't gifts that nobody really pays attention to, or maybe most people don't even notice. These are gifts that are in front of people. They're very high profile. Now, for all of us in the room, if we claim that we are followers of Jesus, when we give our lives to him, the Holy Spirit lives in us, and he now gives us gifts. All of us. All of us have gifts that God has given us that are to be used for his purposes. Now, for some of you guys in the room, you have the gifts that Paul's mentioning here. Maybe you have the gift of teaching or of um, evangelism or one of those kind of gifts. Maybe that's your gift. For, some of, for a lot of you guys in the room, maybe you have other gifts that aren't necessarily mentioned in here. But the focus is not so much on what the gifts are. The focus that Paul is trying to get us to, to really dive into is what they're specifically to be used for. Paul says in verse 12, this, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church. See, Paul says these gifts are given out to people. God gives us these gifts for us to use to serve and to equip and to encourage and build up God's church. They're used to help push people and encourage people in their faith. They're used to help all of us start to live out this calling that God has given us. That that's the reason why we have these gifts. The gifts that we have been given, whether you have these gifts that Paul mentions or whether you're gifted in other areas, these gifts are not to be used for selfish gain. Right? These gifts were not given to us so that we could use them to kind of build prosperity or build profit or for some selfish reasons. 
They were not to be used in such a way that other people look at us and they're impressed with us or they put us up on a pedestal or they're like, man, look at that guy. He's a super Christian or man, she really loves Jesus because of this amazing gift that she's got. All right, these gifts were not to be used for selfish gain. Now, unfortunately, I think there are many leaders in the world, many leaders within the church even, that use gifts that they've been given for selfish gain and for, and for their own benefit, for their own good. How many of you guys maybe have um, seen maybe a pastor on TV or a church leader or somebody that you've watched or seen, whether close up or from a distance, and it's pretty clear that they're only in it for themselves? I mean, I think for a lot of us maybe, we've, we've seen that or we've come across that or maybe not even within the church world, maybe it's been outside of that. Where rather than using the gifts that we've been given to help edify and build up the church, they're used for our own profit and for our own benefit. And Paul's sitting here saying, look, that cannot be the case. The purpose that they have been given is to help encourage people, to help build up the church, to help us live out this calling that God's given us. Now I think about this in terms of myself and me being up on this stage. And let me just say this, for me, reckless doesn't exist for me. All right, if I ever get to a point where I'm on this stage or I'm in this thing for myself, then please punch me in the face. All right, now not really, but I want you, I give you guys permission to call me on it. All right, reckless is not about me. This ministry does not exist for me so that you guys can, or anybody can say, hey, look at Todd, he's so amazing or he's so awesome or look at his curly hair or you know, any of that crazy stuff, or man, he's ugly. None, th- this is not about me. This is not about our adult leaders that are in the room. Quite frankly, this isn't really even about you. Reckless is not about you. This ministry exists, and everything that we do exists for the purpose of helping each other. That we're in this thing together, we're here to help spur each other on and encourage each other and build each other up. That it's not about us trying to advance our own kingdoms. It's not about trying to get the glory or steal some some profit or benefit for ourselves. It's about all of us diving into this and ultimately bringing God glory, but using it to build up and edify the church. That's what it's about. Now, why are these gifts so important? And this is where we're getting into that specific calling we're talking about tonight. Look at verse 13. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Now, there's a lot of stuff to kind of dive into there. But I think we kind of summarize those couple of verses with this next calling that we're talking about tonight. And that's the calling of growth. All right, you guys got your notes, your handouts. I want you to write that down, the calling of growth. As followers of Jesus, we are called to grow in our faith. Look at how important this is. Look at what Paul says. He says, 
until we all come to such unity in our faith. This is how unbelievably important this is, is that all of us will be unified by our faith, unified in our faith. And here's the cool thing about this, and to kind of help us visualize this. When we walk into this room or everything that we do, it's about unity. It's not about Hiram High School. It's not about East. It's not about North. It's not about Harrison. It's not about homeschool kids. It's not about who's rich or poor. It's not about guys or girls. It's not about the popular or the unpopular. And all of those things that we a lot of times divide ourselves by. When we come in this room, we are unified by our faith. We are unified together, pushing forward to that purpose and that calling that God has given all of us. And we are pushing with one mind and one purpose and one focus, and that's to grow in unity in our faith. That's what it's about. Now, the other thing he mentions, he says, unity in faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we might be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And how stinking unbelievable is that for us? That that's the goal. That's the focus for us, that we might be mature in the Lord, that we might measure up and grow into the full and complete standard of Christ. Man, how amazing is that, that you and I get to be a part of that? Man, no longer do you and I have to wallow around in mediocrity. Man, no longer do you and I have to just settle and stumble over the same sins and go, man, that's just part of my life, that's just part of who I am. No longer do we just have to settle for all of the brokenness and all of the hurt in our life. We don't have to accept the fact that we are broken and rough around the edges and sinful people. We don't have to just accept that and live in that. That we have a goal, we have a focus, we have a calling that God has given us. That we get a chance to live up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Man, you name me something that the world has to offer that matches with that. There is nothing that can compare to that. And by us focusing on growing in, in our relationship with Christ, we get a chance to measure up. Not, not in, in, in terms of trying to receive acceptance from God or any of that kind of stuff. Not performance driven. But because we've been accepted and loved by God. And in response to that, that's the calling that God has for us. We don't have to settle for anything less than that. We get a chance to measure up to that. Now, the crazy thing is, we will never reach that in this life. We won't reach that as long as we live, but that's something every day that we have a chance to strive towards, and as we surrender our life and give God control, God begins to work in us and through us and helps us measure up to that incredible standard. We get to be like Jesus. Now, here's the problem that I see with that. And I want to be honest with, with a lot of us. And if you guys will just lock in with me, don't focus on other people or what they may be doing. But I want you guys to really think about where this lands for you. Because here's the problem. If I'm honest with what I know about the, the people in this room, here's the problem that I see with that. There are many of us in this room that don't take the calling of growth very seriously. We just don't do it. It's not a big deal to us. I mean, we look at our life and we go, 
you know, man, I've been a Christian for a while. You know, I love Jesus. But if, if you were to look at our life, I mean, in a lot of ways in terms of our maturity and our faith, we're like a child. I mean, we're like a little baby or like a little toddler when it comes to our faith and our relationship with God. We may say that we love God, but man, we are, we are infants and we are babies in our faith. And we all have to start somewhere. So I'm not necessarily, I'm not calling you out because you're in that place. For some of you guys in the room, man, you're a, you're a new believer. You've just trusted Christ and you're trying to figure this thing out and grow in that. And so we all, we all have that stage in our life. But the problem that I see is for many of us, we stay in that place for, for years. Growing in our relationship with Christ isn't really that big of a deal. I mean, I think for a lot of us, man, we, we may have been a Christian for a while, but we have no knowledge of the Bible. We don't have an understanding about who God is. We don't know how we're supposed to live, or we don't even know what God really wants from us. But sometimes all we really know is, man, I, I really want to receive this forgiveness, and I want my sins to be forgiven, and I want freedom from that, and that's a cool thing. And, man, I'll show up at church because I know that's important. That's kind of a big deal. And we sort of feel like that's enough. Like we can just stop there. It's not a big deal to continue on because we've got this whole forgiveness thing. And because of that, we go through years and years where we never really mature and grow in our faith and our relationship with Christ. And we just settle. And, and I think the, the, the bad thing about that is, is that some of us are totally fine with that. We look at that and we go, who really cares? Because I get to do what I want to do, and yet I'm still forgiven. And I get to play the game of church, but yet I still get to hang out with my friends and do what I want to do. And so who really cares? And there is this, there, and Paul has a word for this, all right? Paul kind of calls this out, and he says, look, those are like immature children. You guys in the room that feel like, you know what, that's fine. Who really cares? I've got forgiveness. Why do I need to go on? Paul says, look, we're like immature babies. We're like children in our faith. All right? It's not a very flattering term, especially for high schoolers that want to think about being adults and mature and all that kind of stuff. Being called an immature child is not a very flattering thing. When I read this, this verse, my, um, my kid, I think of my kids. Angie and I try to uh, always teach them Bible stories and stuff. And um, so we're talking about God's word and those like crazy stories in the Bible, but then those really cool ones too. And so we're trying to help them understand. And they're only six, four, and two, so they're young. But we're trying to just, whether it's a bedtime story before they go to bed or whether it's just in terms of, you know, the day-to-day -day life of just trying to help teach them what the Bible says and all these kind of stories. And the hard thing sometimes is that they're also, they also know princess and and print stories and you know they watch tv and so they see superheroes or mickey mouse or you know they're hanging out with santa claus or they hear about the easter bunny and so it becomes this it all sort of just gets morphed into this big ball of stories you know bible stories and stories about princess and cinderella and santa and all this kind of craziness and so it all just kind of gets mixed into one and so we might tell them a story of moses and, you know, a couple of days later, they go, hey, Dad, remember that story you told us about how Santa and Cinderella had a baby and they named him Moses and then they all parted the Red Sea together? And I'm going, wait, what? No, that's, that's not at all what we talked about. And, um, but that's kind of what they do because they're, they're immature children. They don't really have a firm grasp of what truth is. 
And because they don't really have a firm grasp, they get confused about what they really believe. The sad thing is, I think there are some of us in the room who are exactly like that. Man, we say that we love God and we come to church and we hear Bible stories and we hear things about what God wants to do in our life and how amazing his love is. And we hear all that kind of stuff and we buy into it. And yet, because we don't grow in our faith, because that's not something that we're committed to doing, then we become stagnant and we become, we don't, we don't ultimately end up taking any next steps into our faith and understanding fully and becoming mature in our faith. And because of that, because that happens, we've got stories in the Bible and stories about things that God wants to do in our life. But then we've also got these stories that our culture says and ideas and concepts that, that our world likes to present to us as truth. And so somehow in our mind, it all kind of just gets morphed into one big ball. And a lot of times we fail to really understand what actually is the truth. Man, we, we believe that God loves us, but then we hear other things. And so, man, it ends up, ends up impacting everything that we believe. And whether we like to admit it or not, we really fail to grasp fully what truth actually is. An illustration that I, that I could use, and I think what, what Paul is kind of hinting at in this, in this passage is, is the idea of a kite versus a tree. All right? I think some of us are kind of like a kite, where we feel like when it comes to our faith, we feel like we're sort of anchored. Right? We feel like we've got a firm grasp and we know what we believe and we trust Jesus and we go to church and that's kind of our standard. And we feel like we're okay. And yet we're really like a, we're sort of like a kite that we, we're kind of blown all over the place. And when people have ideas or concepts in our school or in our family or we watch TV about who God may be or what, what kind of thoughts there may be about the world, then we sort of get blown in that direction. And whatever way our culture, whatever the way the wind of the culture blows, that's kind of where we get taken. And we feel like we're anchored, but with more experiences and more things that we hear, and the more that the wind blows, and the more we're, we're kind of battered all over the place, the more that kind of takes, takes root and takes effect in our mind and in our heart. And we feel like we're okay. We feel like we're in good shape, but in reality, man, we're blown all over the place. And that's what Paul's talking about. I think what we actually, what our focus really needs to be is, is we need to be like a tree. Where, man, we are rooted and grounded in God's word, where we know what we believe. And as we continue to grow and mature in our faith, man, our roots are planted deep in God's word. And we continue to, to grow and to mature, and we are stable and steady. And no matter what, how hard the wind may blow, no matter how, how convincing maybe the culture may be about arguments or about new ideas or thoughts, man, we are rooted and grounded and we know what we believe and we stand firm. But see, so often, so many of us, we're like that kite that's blown all around and we get more confused and it impacts the way that we live. And ultimately, it leads us off track of the calling that God has given all of us. Now, there's two things specifically about growth that are in your notes. The first one is this. Growth is not just head knowledge. It's action-oriented. 
All right, growth is not just head knowledge, it's action-oriented. The goal for all of us when it comes to growing and learning is not just to sort of puff us up with, with a bunch of knowledge. All right, it's not just to make us feel smarter or look smarter in conversations. It's not just so that we can walk around and impress people with our fancy words and how much we love God and all this kind of stuff. All right, that's not the goal. And why Paul says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. That it's not about just filling our mind with a bunch of information. See, no one really cares how much you know about God unless it impacts the way that you live your life. Your friends at your school don't give a rip about how much Bible knowledge you have if your life doesn't look radically different than theirs. If your life does not back up what you say you believe, then no one in your school honestly gives a crap. No one cares. And too many of us are so focused on having all of this knowledge and information about God, and yet it doesn't impact the way that we live our life. And the people in our schools and in our families all around us see a double standard, and they want no part of it. See, no one cares unless this growth that happens in our heart and in our lives impacts the way that we live, unless it's action-oriented. Real growth and maturity is shown by how you love people and the things that you value. So it's got to be action-oriented. Here's the other thing. Growth doesn't happen by accident. All right, growth does not happen by accident. You have to be intentional in order to grow. All right, you are not just going to wake up one day and be this amazing super Christian. All right, that is not going to happen as much as sometimes we love to snap our fingers and it just happen overnight. That is not the way that it works. All right, you don't feed yourself by accident. All right, you don't just wander in the kitchen all of a sudden, whoops, I just ate. All right, that doesn't happen. All right, you are very intentional about some of us more than others, about what we want to eat and what times we eat and what we will eat and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we are intentional about that. And the same is true when it comes to our spiritual life and our growth in our relationship with Christ. It will not happen by accident. We have to be very intentional about it. We have to take steps. We have to purpose in our mind to go, I want to grow in my relationship with Christ. And I'm going to take steps and be intentional about making it happen. It's not going to happen otherwise. Now, there are opportunities that we offer you guys each week for you to grow in your faith. All right, there are things that we do that we provide for you guys, and one of which is, is so that you guys can grow. All right, one of the reasons we do Reckless every single Wednesday night is for us to grow together in our faith. All right, that's part of the purposes of it. But some of you guys, you come in every week, and you come because there's hot girls, or you come because your friends invited you, or you come because there's 250 people in the room, and you think that that's just the place to be. And while I'm very grateful that you come every single week, and I love the fact that regardless of why you come, I love that you come. But just understand that you will, if you come for any of those other reasons, then you will really struggle growing in your faith. It's not going to happen because you've got other motives or other reasons that you show up. We put on our small groups, and one of the reasons why we say, man, that is one of the most important things we do. And these small groups that will begin next week after Reckless, the reason we do that is so that you guys can grow in your faith together. 
so that you guys can challenge each other and talk about it together and begin to, to wrestle and, and think about and grow in, in your relationship with Christ. Zach mentioned growth groups a little bit earlier and, and those that will kick off at the end of September that you guys can register for now. The reason we do that is so that you guys can grow in a little deeper, more specific way. So that you guys, these incredibly important aspects of your faith, so that you won't grow up and move off to college and then have no idea about what you believe and be tossed around by all of these different thoughts and ideas. But so that you guys will know what you believe and why you believe it and these things that are important for you before you go off into the world. So there are things that we provide for you, and it's not going to happen if you don't be intentional about it. It's not going to happen any other way. Now, there are other opportunities for you to grow every single day. There's a chance for you to pick up your Bible every single day and spend time with God and allow God to speak to you and to, and to pour into you and to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. We have Bibles outside on, at the next table. If you don't have one, that we will give you one. But that, that resource is there so that you guys will take advantage of that opportunity and grow in your faith every single day. But it's not going to happen unless you become intentional about it. It's not going to happen by accident. Now, last verse of this particular passage, verse 16. Here's how, here's how Paul concludes it. When we do these things, when we grow together, when we serve each other in love and we, we build up each other, here's what happens. It says, he, Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And we have an opportunity when that happens, when it is working according to the way that God has called us to live it out. And we are growing, we are encouraging each other to grow. We are growing all of us together and becoming, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We are no longer blown about, but we are rooted and grounded in our faith. Main point for us tonight is this. God's calling cannot be accomplished without a commitment to growing ourselves and each other. All right, God's calling cannot be accomplished without our commitment to growing both ourselves and also helping each other grow. All right, that's the focus. That's the goal. That's what God has called us to. Now, as we close, here's my, here's my question for you. We talked about last week. What's your YOLO? You get one shot at this thing. What is this calling that God has given to you? What is this calling that you say, you know what, man, this is, I've got one shot at this. Man, this year, as I, as I go throughout my school and everywhere that I go, man, I want to be intentional. Man, what is this calling specifically, God, that you have given to me? When it comes to this calling of growth, of us growing in our faith, what specifically does it look like for you? What does it look like for you? Maybe some of you in the room, you're, you, you haven't trusted Christ yet. Maybe you're still figuring this thing out. You've never really um, fully understood God's love for you or whatever. And that first step, that calling of growth is for you to trust Christ as your Savior. And if that's something that you're ready to take that step, and I, my, my challenge to you is before you leave tonight, 
that you come talk to me, that you find an adult, that you stop at our Next Steps table and talk to somebody about what it looks like to make a decision to follow Jesus. And let us help you, let us encourage you, let us talk through about what that actually looks like and how you can take that step and embrace that calling. Maybe for some of you guys, man, you come in every week and you don't really take it seriously and you just kind of screw around and you don't really pay much attention. Maybe you've never stepped foot in a small group for whatever reason. Maybe they intimidate you. Maybe you don't like other people. I don't know. Maybe whatever the reason is, but you've, for whatever reason, have never taken that step and jumped into a group. Or maybe you've been in a group, but man, every single week it just becomes a joke and you just kind of you crack jokes and you make fun and you don't really take it seriously. And, and the sad thing is not only do you impact your growth, but you impact the growth of the rest of the group. Maybe you've never actually jumped into a growth group. Maybe you've never taken that step. Maybe you've never actually picked up God's word and you've started reading. Maybe you need help coming up with a reading plan. So you, rather than just open to Genesis 1 and start reading, that you've got an idea of what you're supposed to be reading. But for all of us in the room, there is some specific next step that God is calling us to when it comes to our growth and our faith. Whether it's trusting Christ for the first time, whether it's jumping into a small group, whether it's being more intentional every single day about growing so that all of us in unity might measure up to the full and complete standard that Christ has given us. I mean, there is nothing else that can measure up, that can, that can, that can stand up to this calling. And why that verse 1 is so, so incredible, so powerful, that, we, that he begs us to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. What is your YOLO? What is your calling? What is God calling you to do when it comes to growth, when it comes to other things we've been talking about? What does that look like? Let's pray. Jesus, I pray tonight. God, that all of us in this room would understand how unbelievably powerful and incredible this life is that you've called us to. God, there is nothing else that compares. God, you have given us the opportunity by us growing in our faith, by us living every single day the way you've called us to live. God, you help us measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. God, I pray for students in this room that for far too long have been fine and okay with being immature children in their faith. God, I pray that by the power of your spirit, God, that you would challenge them, that you would convict them. God, I pray that they would no longer settle for, for mediocrity. God, I pray that they would no longer settle for some secondary life or for some relationship with you that really makes no difference in our life because we, we think it's all right never to grow. God, I pray that we would begin to grow in our faith and it would be action-oriented, that we, it would change the way that we live our lives. God, I pray that we would embrace it, that it, we would be intentional about those things that you're calling us to. God, I pray for specific things that you are calling these students to do in the weeks to come and in the year to come. God, I pray that you would give them insight and wisdom, whatever that looks like, that we would live this calling that you've given to us, that there is nothing else that compares. So God, we love you, we thank you, in your name, amen.